Hey guys, welcome back to Table Talk with Tiffany. I'm your host, Tiffany Taylor, and this is Table Talk. This podcast hopes to serve a purpose by being a virtual table where I can gather my friends around and we share stories of courage, inspiration, and faith. I'm so excited to have you joining me today. Let's Table Talk. Todd and Sandra, welcome to my podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Um, for you guys who are on the other side of this, I'm sitting down with my parents today because whenever this goes live, they'll be celebrating their wedding anniversary, which is how many years? 29 years. Come on. She got it right. <laughs> she on it. 29 wonderful years. Yeah. So let's, so we're going to, you know, release this podcast and I, I know that they have um, almost 50 years on both ends of life experience to share, but I think it would be really unique to um, share some marriage and relationship stuff. And you guys have been married for half mm-hmm. of your life. And so, yeah, I just wanted to spend some time sitting and talking. <laughs> so yeah, mommy, let's start with you. Okay. How old were you when you met daddy and um how old were you and what what were you doing and just explain like let's just talk about the beginning of y'all's relationship and we'll start from there and go from there sure so I was 17 years old when I met your dad and it was at a church mission trip we actually had met at camp the year before but it was just brief a brief encounter I guess you could call it uh, Todd had given his testimony and so I went up to him after the camp and was like wow that was just so good that was so awesome wow is that a first high. move yeah it was totally a first move <laughs> wow it was earlier in the summer it wasn't a year prior it was it just earlier in the summer just... oh look my keep going oh my gosh but yeah she anyway the details Jesus. don't matter it was to me it was a year ago or a year prior anyway so um when I really got to know him, we had gone on a mission trip to, to Louisiana. We were part of First Baptist Houston, and uh, I was going into, I guess, going into my senior year. I can't remember. Anyway, so we started dating. Uh, I'm sorry, we did not start dating. We were at the mission trip, and he was just a great guy, just really fun. I actually had a boyfriend at the time, but he was just... Um, a very interesting character to me. So I just, I really enjoyed his, his time or his friendship, I should say. Okay. And daddy, would you like to share your part about what happened on that mission trip? Well, I want to keep hearing it, but, but yeah, that's fine. So, um, I was, so mom is 17, I was 19 and we did have a brief interaction at, um, camp earlier in the summer. And cause we met on, uh, late July and I think the camp at Frio was in June and um my mom is mouthing it doesn't matter facts matter uh anyway so what I remember about our initial meeting but of course we didn't really uncover this until after we started talking after we started dating everything else but our initial meeting she was in a um a cabin where so the cabins weren't like beach treat that you guys have grown up going to this is like cabin in the woods kind of thing we she was with the cabin that on talent night they um 
they did a, a plastic bag wedding. And so they made all the recipients and wedding goers and bridesmaids and grooms, everything were dressed all in trash bags. And mommy had the only white trash bag. She was the bride. It was, it was a fashion show. Fashion show. And so everybody had their fashion show with their trash bag clothes. And so normally at the end of a fashion show, there's a wedding dress. And so I had on the wedding dress and a white trash bag. It was beautiful. <laughs> I was. But I used to sew clothes. So I was like, oh, I can make a, I can make a wedding dress out of trash bags. <laughs> so... I noticed her in the, in the white trash bag fashion show. And, um, and really, I can still see it. She was just beautiful. Um, and it, it's really silly how much it took me back. But um, anyway, then, then we, on the mission trip um, that we went on to the Women's Center in, in Louisiana, I have to put a pin in that and back it up a year and say that I had began to pray for mommy before I met her my entire senior year. And it's kind of a weird thing to say, but I began asking God for what was next. You know, I had had those high school relationships and some lasted a week, some lasted a month, whatever. But I began to really pray for my future spouse, future girlfriend. And it was really cool that for me, God gave me the picture of her, of what to pray, uh, her, her spirit, um, you know, her, her belief structure. You know, I, I remember saying, I, I, you know, I want, I want somebody who's fun to hang out with, but, they, but can handle hanging out with my boys, you know, just kind of had a little bit of an attitude, but could be sweet and um, down to her, the way she looked, you know, her hair color, her skin, I mean, it was just her size. It was everything. And so I just, uh, I just made a list of these things and I prayed for them. And so flash forward now to getting on the bus uh, at the church, I get on, I, I walk on the bus and there is little Sandra Beretta sitting three rows back on the right-hand side. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I wish you could see my face, but it was just like, <gasps> you know, there she is. And it was, it was like there was a spotlight on her and everything else kind of faded out. And I know I'm over-dramatizing, but that's the way I felt it was. So I went back and I sat in the back row uh, with a buddy of mine, I won't say his name, but um, and I said, hey, who's that chick up front? He's like, where? So I pointed out, who's that girl? Oh, that's so-and-so, she's dating so-and-so. And I said, I don't care who she's dating now, I'm marrying her. And he's like, oh, okay. And I was like, no, nah, I'm being serious, but we're, you know. So, Throughout the trip, um, I did my best to get to know her, and um, and I was a lot to handle at that time. I was, I was like Tigger. I was just bouncing all over the place. It was, I was a mess, and um, so I knew that I had to bring it down about sixteen levels in order for her, because she was so shy, so like, I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't want crazy, you know. And um, so I did, I just like really chilled out that whole weekend and just um, tried to serve her, would get her some drinks and make sure her, she had enough hot dogs and had enough ketchup on her hot dog. And um, it was very sweet. Yeah, it was very sweet. I, and and, and yeah. I'm thinking, well, he is just so nice. What a great friend. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to tell my friend about him. Your boyfriend. <laughs> my boyfriend about him. And uh, it was, it was, very sweet and 
and I was a very different person than I am now, very quiet and shy and just would observe a lot. And so it was very nice for, for him to just be so caring. I mean, little did I know that he had other, another agenda, but um, <laughs> again, it, it was just very sweet. Okay. So. Well, and I had not met many girls like your mom. So it was, it was new for me and interesting and, and it was, it was a lot of fun. And I am very much of an expressive and I, and I like to love on people. And so it was, it was fun and easy for me to do that. But yeah, I did have alternative motives. I, I did want to, you know, yeah, get so, closer. I mean, for those listening, go on a mission trip. You may be <laughs> your future spouse. You never know how yeah. God can work it out. Hey, we haven't stopped serving together. <laughs> so, yeah. So what would you tell somebody who's like 17, 18, 19, 20, and they do have their eye on a certain person. It sounds like there was some intentionality. There is some, well, you know, there was some stuff that you did, but then there had to have been action. So yeah, we don't want people to be passive their whole life. So how do you be active as a teenager? Mm-hmm. First things first, break up with the boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, so so we, um, we <clears throat> this poor guy had gone on like a three-week vacation. So I had... Oh, he wasn't on the mission trip. No, he wasn't on the mission trip. Oh, good. So that was sliding into DMs before sliding into DMs was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we just hung out. We talked. We we, we went places. Um, well, we had a friendship. This was before yeah. cell phones even existed. <laughs> so we had to talk to each other, whether it was on the phone or face-to-face. And... You know, I think a lot of times, especially with teenagers and even adults, you get to hide behind a screen. And, you know, at that point in our life, we could not do that. And so we had that friendship first. Um, We liked each other's company. And so I would definitely advise young people, you know, to to be friends first. Mm -hmm. It's so important. Yeah. And. That was a big part of it, but also we, um, because of, you know, technology, right? Um, we did a lot of things. We, we, we went on um, walks, we'd go to the park, we'd hang out, we'd go have picnics at um, whatever the fountain down in, uh, uptown is called now. It's like, uh, was the Williams Tower. But anyway, you know, we'd, we'd go just do all these things and we would do things for each other. Mommy used to sew a lot and, and crochet and, do, and so she would make me little things, um, which were cool. And uh, I don't know, I don't okay. know what I did much, but, but as far as what, you know, yeah, if there is, if you're interested, step into it. Don't, don't wait for him or her to say, um, don't be, don't be the second one. If you feel it and you're, and you're interested, step into it. Just all, nobody's going to steal your soul. I mean, just step into it and say, hey, I think there might be something here. Do you feel like that too? Find another way to say it probably, but, and if there's not, they're going to let you know. And if there is, well then cool. You guys get to start talking at that next level. I mean, it's, um, it really is that easy. It's just getting over um, the fear of rejection. And Mm -hmm. once you get over the fear of rejection, you really get to start living. I mean, when you realize that that all they can do is tell you no. They're not gonna. They're not gonna cut off your ear. They're not gonna steal your soul. Just a no. Always remember this. A no. One no is closer to the yes. So every no you get, you're getting closer to that yes. 
that's in every area. I feel like we're walking, we're, di- we're pivoting into like sales one on one one So let's bring it back. <laughs> okay, my bad. So you guys start dating as cute little 17 and 19 year olds. Mm-hmm. What happens next? <laughs> what happens next? Well, so we, we made a decision on uh, August 18th of 1990 to be boyfriend, girlfriend. We start dating. I was at school. Um, <laughs> so I had planned my classes so that I was, um, I was in class Monday, midday through Thursday, midday. So, or Friday, it doesn't matter. But I, I had three day, three and a half day weekends every, every weekend and at, with Sandra. I'd stay, to her, stay at her place or stay with my friends or whatever, but I got to see her. With so, the intent of coming home on the weekends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I came home. I'm, I'm saying I wasn't away. It was, you know, I wasn't, you know, two, 20 hours away or whatever. It was, um, I was able to come home on weekends, hang out with her, see my friends, everything else. Um, Sandra, Sandra was a, a senior in high school. Um, then being um, a different group, set of people, what's interesting is mommy was teaching Bible study. She had um, come to know the Lord at about 15. Mm-hmm. Can we tell that story? No? You do want to finish your story? And I can tell that story? Yeah, finish your story and then we can go to that. Okay. So anyways, we, we, um, we had too much time together and not enough discipline. And, and lots of teenage excitement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so we, what, but what I'm really, I mean, we met, you know, we, we had um, sex. We uh, ended up getting pregnant. We had already been talking about getting married, but that was, that uh, propelled it. But it was, it was more so that we didn't do the right things in taking and putting up guardrails in our life. Um, we, we said we did, we acted like we did, but we didn't truly value um, keeping the purity pure. And so we didn't have um, accountability partners. We didn't, um, you know, we told them what we, what, what we needed them to know and that was about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, we let our guard down um, because we both were believers and, um, and so, um, do you need, no. do you need to go tell us? I forgot that I wanted them to do the, take those things okay, when they're there. It's okay. Um, we're talking sure. about boundaries and guardrails. Yeah. So we, we just had let our, our guard down and, um, and there was, you know, there was times we talk about it and go, that, that's not who we are. That's not who we need to be. And so, you know, I don't want to dwell on that too much, but I do want to, well, it's but an I honest would, part. I would also add that we just probably had a lot of arrogance because, mm. you know, as, as young people, you know, you're, when you have a Bible study and you're, you're going to church and you feel like you're doing all the right things. Um, and looking back, probably just living a religious lifestyle. I mean, mm. we both were believers. We both said that, you know, we're following Jesus but at the same time, we were totally living in sin, you know, and when you live like that, you can almost believe your lie. Mm. And so I'm so thankful that the Lord just 
snatched us right up because during that time we got pregnant and we had little miss tiffany right here <laughs> here, here you. and so you know when we got that news it was just like oh my goodness you know most people that live in sin their sin isn't exposed like that and ours was and because of thankfully because of the way we believed there wasn't any other choice but to have you and so immediately we were like okay well i guess we will get married we are going to do this and you know our family was not very supportive at the time you know looking back now i mean it's funny to laugh at now we can look back and go wow this really did work but it's just a testament of who god is that god allowed it to work so yeah yeah um in i guess in all aspects we could have easily been part of the statistic of not going to make it and you know when when it's time to grow up it's time to grow up and so i mean that i was in school uh mommy, i think mommy was in school at that time too and um we're like well okay so we're pushing this wedding up a little bit but let's go and so we got married i joined the military i, I knew that i needed to have you know everything in order to take care of you coming along take care of mommy um the whole thing and and so i joined the military joined the Navy. Um, I absolutely loved it for a very long time. And we met a lot of great people. We did, we traveled around and it was, it was the best thing for us during that time. Yeah. So, um, before we get into, you know, young married life, doing marriage overseas for a little bit and long distance and some of the lessons that you learned in that season of time. Mm -hmm. But let's back up just like now that your parents, you still ministered to youth age group people, you know that people are saying one thing and probably doing another because you were those people. Mm -hmm. How can we put guardrails in our life that work? Like, are they, what, do, I mean, how what would you do? Like, how can you do it better? What would you, I don't know, tell people, is it, is it just being honest with your mentors and leaders? Is it not hanging out one-on-one? -on -one? Is it? Well, I would, I would definitely say for young people um, or dating people, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're going to stay pure, then you don't need to be alone with that person at all at all um just because it's it's too easy and you know and and that's really difficult and you think in in your mind oh well but i'm stronger than that you know i, I would never do that are you saying like people you like you wouldn't even advise people to go on walks alone well if you're going on a walk outside that you're not alone Normally okay. there's going to be somebody there that you're, uh, if you're on a trail, somebody's going to come up on you or, um, I'm just saying you shouldn't, um, plan for dates where you're completely alone. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess it's taking your purity really seriously. Yeah. If, if yeah. you want to be that serious about it, because, yeah. um, and I'm not just talking about sexual purity. There's, there's so much that falls in line with that mm. um, because you can have better conversations or um, even these thoughts that come into your mind and that are unpure. And so why put yourself in that kind of situation? Um, that would be the first thing, but also just to have the community and have people that you can trust with what you're going, what's going on in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, I had amazing people in my life at the time, but I really didn't trust them with mm. everything. Um, again, because I had this image that, oh, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, you know, I love Jesus and, you know, I'm a new follower. So I could never tell them what was really going on. And so it, even though I, in my mind, I felt like I had that community, I probably really didn't mm. because if I did, then I should have been able to trust them. Yeah. With the, what was really going on in my life. Yeah. And so I think that's the other thing is you have to come to a place where you allow yourself to be vulnerable with people mm. and say, this is really going on and I need you. Mm -hmm. And, and of course that's all along with praying to the Lord first. And I'm sure like the choice to want to do different. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, you mentioned community and, and uh, I do love that word because I love community, but I think what, what I would, what I see in that is at least for me and I think you too, but we, we picked a community who accepted what we were doing is okay. We didn't, we didn't seek out the right community that had, um, that had, the ability to speak into what we were doing or whatever. I mean, and, and <clears throat> I don't know. I, I don't know that I had anybody that I could be honest with who would say what you're doing is not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, not only from a biblical standpoint, but just from being smart, you don't have a job, you don't have school. I mean, like, don't be an idiot. So yeah, we found the people that agreed with us and that was our community. Mm -hmm. And that's not the way to go. Not if yeah. you truly want to go. Because because growth, the, the strength comes from the struggle, right? And so um, if there is no struggle, there's really not growing. You're just constantly taking the easy route. And mm -hmm. so um, what I would say is um, it, it's a personal decision. Even though there's two individuals, it, it's, it's a personal decision of I don't want that in my life. And if he or she can't be okay with that, then we need to have another conversation that may be a more serious conversation, but it's a personal decision, mm -hmm. you know? Um, Good. Well, and you have that fear of loss and, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's with your community, um, mm -hmm. your Bible study friends, your church friends, you know, we all live in these different little compartments um, and sometimes worlds collide. But when you have that fear of loss or the fear of rejection, Thankfully, I feel like we're at a point now where it doesn't matter to us anymore. You know, we, we live our lives the way we live them with, and I can lose my family. I can lose my friends. I can lose all these different things. And it's okay because for now in my life, God is enough and I don't need all those things anymore. But when you're 19 years old, that's a really big deal. And mm. so I would also tell that young person, God is enough. You really don't need all these things that you think in your life, if you don't have it, the world really will end. The world is not going to end. And that 
um, Jesus is enough in every part of your life. And so again, at that point in my life, when I was 19, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I can't tell my friends that I go to Bible study with. They, I can't trust them with this. And so. So one of the things you ask about, that you were asking about, what do I tell, I guess, young people, now that I'm an old pe people, over 50, um, is Sander is not Sander is stuck on 27 but um I'm, I'm open to being corrected on this but I think that the Bible says to resist the devil and he will flee from you until okay this is not part of the verse anymore but until it comes to the verse about lust and sexual desires then it says flee from that and so I, 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 I believe that when we're tempted, James 1, 5, maybe it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That is, you know, calling the name of Jesus on something, praying through something. Don't get overwhelmed by your thoughts. Don't let the anxiety overtake you, whatever. But then when it comes on to lust and sexual desires, it's, that's a spiritual battle. And you're probably not equipped to stand there and, and face it head on. So get out, whether it's, is looking on a screen time or something, close the screen time, get out. If something pops up, get out, walk away, go, mm -hmm. go call your mom, you know, do something. And we're not equipped without calling Jesus into our existence. We're not equipped to handle those types of, of strongholds that come into our life. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you are, this is speaking directly to somebody, if you are involved in a sexual sin, it's not, um, it's not an addiction. It's a stronghold. And you have to understand it's a strong, it's got a grip on you, but it is not something you need. Air and water is an addiction. I'm addicted to food. I'm addicted to water, but porn, sex, those type of things, they aren't addictions, they're strongholds. And once you start to change the definition, you can start to change how you attack it. That's interesting. Interesting. I've never thought about it like that. Okay. Sorry. Let me, uh, let me take off. Let me get off the preacher box here for a second. <laughs> <laughs> what is it in the milk? Whatever. Um, so you guys are tracking along, you're trucking along and you are in your young twenties. You're, you don't really have a supportive family. Um, so what's, like what's next for you guys? What does life look like now that yeah. you're in your young twenties? So I'll just kind of stair, stair step through it real quick. We so we got married. I, um, I went to the military in April, um, came back in uh, July, saw you for the first time. I was like, because you know, you were born in May. Um, so when I got off the airplane, I was like, is that her? Like, I mean, like mommy would be holding some other baby, but I'll, you know. And I was just enamored with you right away. And why would you not? <laughs> exactly. Um, we are blessed to have you. All kidding aside, okay. looking directly at you, we are blessed to have you as our daughter. We love you so much. Thank you. Um, so I, um, I went away. I deployed um, for about seven months. During that time, mommy met up or 
mommy and a couple of my friends moved her from um, Houston to Gulfport, Mississippi. And she got some apartments there. And at the time, again, we didn't have the internet, so we had a phone book. So um, she was looking through the phone book, trying to find an apartment. And she found one that said, it was called Tiffany Gardens. And she said, well, that's it. So she called, got a room, got a, an apartment over the phone. We had no idea what we were moving into. Because it was named Tiffany. Because it was named <laughs> Tiffany. Just spelled wrong. Even though they misspelled it, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so we spent a couple of years in Gulfport, Mississippi. I deployed a couple of times from there. Um, we got, we, we had a hard time getting involved in a church there. Um, we tried different places. Part of, part of our struggle at that time was being, um, 19, mommy being 1920, I was 20, 21, 22, having a, you know, a baby. We were about 10, 15 years younger than the rest of the young marrieds with kids. Mm -hmm. And so it was really hard for us to connect. Um, but we, we kept trying. So anyways, move forward a little bit to New Orleans. Um, took us a little bit, but we got plugged into a, a church there and Central Baptist in, in New Orleans. Um, just a fantastic, fantastic church. Memorial. Oh, Memorial Baptist. My bad. My bad. Well, and I would like to add that our family is very supportive. Okay. Um, you know, as, as a young family, but my family isn't faith-filled. And so that's where we didn't have that support. They didn't understand why we would decide to have a baby like, and not terminate the pregnancy. Mm. Um, Todd's family, again, very supportive um, and are faith-filled. And so we had that, but it, it was, it's just different, you know? And so because of that, we decided right from the start that we wanted to have um, a special family that knew God. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but yeah, so we moved around a lot. We joined this amazing church in New Orleans and, um, and they became our family. Mm -hmm. We lived there for about three years and um, because, of, because of the way I was raised, um, I was just drawn to youth ministry. And so, um, so we joined the youth group there. What's funny is that we were probably just about eight years older than them. We felt so old because we had a baby, but looking back now we have kids that we're still friends with on Facebook and stuff like that. I'm like, you're old. Like you weren't that much younger than us, but it just, it just felt different. And so, but anyway, we get plugged into this youth group and, um, and just, learned so much from this Cajun church. Mm -hmm. uh, we would, I guess, um, on Sunday morning or Sunday, Sunday afternoons after church, we would go to somebody's house and have lunch together as a family. It was true Southern Baptist. So every Wednesday we had dinner together as a church family at church. And I think from this, we just really learned how to build community. It's just um, simply what we did. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it, there was no question about it. Sunday morning, we, um, because we lived probably, what, 45 minutes away, mm -hmm. we had to drive a couple, across a couple of toll bridges to get there. I mean, we, when we found this place, it was like, okay, this is it. We're home. Oh. But um, we would, Sunday morning, we would, we would leave mm -hmm. um, and we would typically have a couple of pairs of, uh, of 
change of clothes, um, as well as we would have packed, you know, your the mothership bag of, or the baby bag of bottles and food and everything. We basically packed like we were leaving for a few days because Sunday was all church. It was, you know, church in the morning, then we go to somebody's house, hang out there for a few hours, and then uh, we were part of, we got part of a couple of different ministries that in the afternoon they would go serve somewhere. So we would go serve and then you had Sunday night church. So we go just, so <laughs> I mean, it was, that's what we did. With children, can you imagine? And yeah, we were well, driving like, you and your brother around the whole place. What does this, what did this teach you about the church family and how to do church and community and church family together? Well, you really, you know, we love to have people over to our house now. And mommy does an amazing job of uh, welcoming and, and preparing for them and taking care of them. But we learned a long time ago, you really get to know somebody and get to be in people's lives when you're sitting around the dinner table. Mm -hmm. You know, it, just like your the name of your podcast is Table Talk with Tiffany. I mean, that's where, you know, you, you drink coffee, you eat whatever. And, and, and real talk starts to happen. And so when real talk starts to happen, then that begins that accountability, mm. um, I guess, group. But I mean, it's good. you know, and so then you can start to say, hey, Sandra, last week you talked about this and that. How's that going? How is your mom doing? How is Todd doing it? Whatever. Then you can start to follow up with people. It's a natural, organic mm -hmm. thing. So, I mean, it, it really taught us and we and we love the old the old Southern Baptist ways. Um of having spaghetti dinner on Wednesday night, mm -hmm. you know, um, every now and then we'd have a special function and, you know, little Miss Betty would bring her, you know, her rum cake with Betty. too much rum, you know, and it's like, Miss Betty, where's, where's the rest of it? You know I mean? <laughs> the rest of it's in your belly, but, you know, it, it taught us so much about community. And I think we were probably community starved, you know, um, because we didn't, I mean, like we love that our children are our friends. You know, we love that you guys want to hang out with us and everything. We didn't have that. And it's okay. It was just a different time. But well, we were in a different city. We didn't have our immediate family close by. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I just mm -hmm. I love the way God orchestrated that yes. because we had to find our own family mm -hmm. in New Orleans. We didn't have a choice. We were in the military. They just tell you what to do and so you do it. And I don't know if Memorial Baptists will ever know the, the full impact mm. that the church offered. And that is still going on right now because of yeah. what we did. Yeah. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to learn how to do community. Everybody go to, you know, the Garrett's house. That's not the way it was. It was like, this is what we're going to do. And through that, we learned how to build family. Yes. And so because of that, we're like, wow, now we crave that. So now we're going to move back to Houston and we need to find a church that does this. Mm -hmm. And we found an amazing small Southern Baptist little church in Old Katy. Loved it, and, and we served there for years. And again, just um, because of the passion for young kids, joined their youth group and made an ama amazing adult friends there as well. That some are we're still friends to to this day. Mm -hmm. But because of that church in New Orleans, it just put that desire in our heart so that when we did move back we're here and then leave this small church and join second and wow we must be really old because we joined second almost 20 years ago mm -hmm. <laughs> and so and again just continue to to have that that desire for 
family, mm-hmm. church family. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, doing it organically and yes, in homes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that we get to see the the repercussions of that here in the house and having well, and, dinners and stuff. And there was a time where um, it wasn't always like this. I mean, a lot of people look at us, at us again, especially because of social media, like, oh my gosh, the Taylors are doing something again, or they're hosting another event. But it wasn't always like that. Um, God is definitely, uh, what's the word, uh, like flourished or grown that gift of hospitality. But it wasn't always like that. You know, because, and this is going to sound crazy. I know I have a beautiful home. God has given me so many nice things, but there was a time I was like, oh, my couches aren't the right way. So I I can't have people over Mm. or I don't have the right whatever. So I don't want to have people over. Mm. And I can remember one year at beach retreat, the Lord was like, you are going to have these kids over to your house. I don't care what your house looks like, what it looks like to you, but you're going to have these kids come over and you are going to start home group with them. And I can't remember when this happened. It was, I guess, maybe eight or nine years ago. But I was like, okay, well, I guess we're going to do that. And we started having <laughs> these home groups. And it was just amazing that nobody cared what my couches looked like. Nobody cared that I didn't have the right cabinet color or the right plates or whatever it was or big enough TV or you know, Wi-Fi, that was awesome. Nobody cared. It was that we were here together, again, around a table. I, I love, and now, of course, it's, I love to feed people. And when people come over and they're like, oh, I already ate. I'm like, why would you do that to me? Don't you know that I just made this? <laughs> well, and don't you know that you've been over and you're going yeah, to have tacos again tonight? Why would you go eat somewhere? So but, um, why, do you want to speak to that really quick? I'll just tell you that it, even though we started we started this eight, nine years ago when, when you're talking about we, our tr- uh, second used to have home groups before they started having live uh, Wednesday night events and things like that. So, so we had had groups in our house before, but we were typically just hosting it and allowing somebody else. Well, that's not even true either, but it, a lot of times it was hosting. Sometimes it was instructing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it goes back to um, even further is when we were in New Orleans at Memorial Baptist Church, that was back in the time when you were, when you wanted to go into the ministry, you surrendered to the call and you walked down front during the church service and said, I am surrendering to the call of my life to go into ministry. And your mom had been feeling it. Um, I was, I was not yet at a place when she, by the time she caught the, caught the bug, but, um, about a year later, I know she'd been praying for me and she was giving me all sorts of books to read. And, you know, and I started listening to Christian music for the first time in my life. You know, I was, I was transitioning, but we made, we surrendered to the, the call, um, I think in like 95 or 96. And we spent probably six or eight months praying on it and talking about it. And it's like, what's next? What's next? What do we you just do? are feeling this like, stirring invitation from God, but you're not really sure what it is? Or have you been feeling like, man, I've really been encountered by the certain group of people and I want to now serve them? Like what? Yeah. So it was both she and I felt this call in our life to step into ministry. 
um, we had a lot of friends who were at the New Orleans Theological Baptist Seminary, I think it's, um, but at the seminary there in New Orleans. Um, so we were out there a lot. So our, our problem was is that the Navy had moved me back to Houston almost by this time. And so I had, I had time left that I had still had to serve. Um, so we were trying to figure out, do we go into ministry? Because at that time, we didn't really know you could do ministry without having, you know, an MDiv. We didn't know you could do ministry, you know. So it was really a process of praying through, like, what's next, what's next, what's next? And we both just kind of came to the conclusion that it wasn't that God was calling us out of our life to go into this ministry that we didn't really understand. He wasn't calling us out of our life. He was calling us to a higher level of expectation within the impact zone that he, he has us in. And that has... What, is, what does that mean? Yeah. So, so what that means is being prepared to say yes to the church, be prepared to say yes to, to God. Um, you know, if there's an opportunity to serve, try to do it. Um, but even more is we, what it, it grew our ministry, our personal ministry. And that's where we, we said, well, we both love kids. Now, mommy touched a little bit on it. Well, um, why she loved youth, you know, for me, um, I connected with, with, you know, the youth because I was still young and stupid and it made, it made sense. And it was fun. And it was a lot more fun than sitting in a forties class, you know, or whatever else. But also we both came from a, our own, um, experience, but mine was, um, I was really left on my own a lot. Like I, I, I really spent a whole lot of time on my own, which was fun getting into trouble and doing things and everything. But um, I didn't have a whole lot of good mentoring coming up. And so when I became a father, I, I, I had to sit down with God. And I, and I said, basically, I don't know how to do this fathering stuff. If, it's, if you are who you say you are, then you can show me in the, in the Bible. And, um, and so that's when I began my research and I came across Proverbs, which has been my, my thing I tell everybody, read Proverbs a day, every day. I've, I, I learned about it so much that I knew that was, you know, pretty much from a father to a son. And, and there's some bits in there that we believe that are from a mother to their son. But um, that's really where I got my, um, my fatherhood instruction from. And so what we began to realize, we hung out with these kids and, and started really understanding where they were coming from. We weren't far, we weren't too far removed from them when we first started. But as we grew, we began to understand there's such a gap in this 16, 17, 18 year old age group. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, and it's not because their parents are bad people. It's not because mm -hmm. nobody loves them. I mean, that, that happens, but I mean, even for the good homes and everything else, there, there comes a time where parents say, you know what? figure it out um, or the kids stop talking to parents things like, and they need a go-between when you know we we had people living in our house a lot if you for, forget we had people living in our our apartment back in in new orleans um because we we simply were acting as the go-between and we had some i mean we'll go into that but there was there was a couple of kids who would struggle with their parents and it was either our house and if they didn't figure it out there for a little while, then, then their parents were gonna kick them out. And so 
we didn't hide them or harbor them. There was always communication with their parents, but we were a safe place for, for, for the blister to kind of settle down. And so I guess the only other answer I can give is why we have such a love for this 18 to 28 year old group is it's God given. I mean, it's absolutely God given um, because we simply can't understand why more people don't love this age group and they don't understand why we love this age group so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but there's, there's a, and, and this is not an, this is not an app for the church, but um, to be real honest here uh, is Graduation day, you get your graduation Bible, you get your pat on the back. We'll see you when you have kids. Mm-hmm. And there's this gap that the church, the global church drops off for that 18 to 28 year old. You know, if you want to be in a singles department, well, you know, we're going to put the 18 year old and the 28 year old in together, two different life experiences, you know, and it's just anyway, so, so we just saw God, I really feel like the Lord just revealed some things to us that was like this, you know, this is what I have for you. Yeah. I mean, I just love that you guys surrendered. And if God were to say, sell everything, get rid of all your money and go into quote ministry as in pastoring a church, being a missionary, writing books, you guys would have said yes. But because you already said yes to him and he, you are following the call in your life. And it looks like selling houses, selling environmental stuff and opening your home, mentoring students, pastoring without a salary, like counseling without a salary. Um, I mean, it's still, it's still saying yes to the call of God on your life. So Talking about this in the realm of marriage, what have you learned by doing the same? I mean, because now you guys are 50 and entering into 50, you've been married for half of your life. You've um, been in youth ministry since the first church that you guys plugged into seriously in New Orleans. Um, What have you learned about each other from serving in the first first youth ministry and serving together then broke in the apartment and now at, at this stage of life when you're just older and a little bit wiser what you've learned about each other and maybe what you've learned about yourself and what you've learned about God so three things well I, I would I would definitely say that for any marriage um serving is is the key um a lot of times you go to a wedding and you you write your little card you know what's the advice or whatever it is and i always write go on a mission trip together you know get get outside of yourself because you know i definitely said what i've learned is i'm a very selfish person you know and especially in marriage you can easily going to well I am not getting what I want out of this and I you know I I I I but when you put that aspect of serving and it doesn't have to be in youth ministry it could be whatever mm-hmm. there's there's so many different things that couples can serve in um but when you do that 
it really puts everything in perspective. We can look at our lives and go, you can, we can easily go, oh, well, I don't have enough or I don't have this or whatever. But when you're serving, you go, wow, I'm so blessed. Thank you, Lord, for providing everything you've given me because of that act of service, it reveals so much. And so I would definitely say um, I learn so much when I serve more about myself and more about our marriage. So what are one of the, what's one of those things that you've learned within marriage over the last 29 years? Oh, I would say that it's fun. It can be really fun. A lot of times people, you know, have this misconception that, oh my gosh, it's a ball and chain and I can't do anything. And, but, but I have learned that it can be a lot of fun. We, we aren't limited. We can do so many different things. And, um, and that when God is a part of it um, and he can be honored through it, it's just fun. Cool. And what have you learned about God within marriage in the last 29 years? Um, I would have to say that he is in control and thankfully he's in control. Mm -hmm. Because if I allowed myself, and which sometimes we do, but when God is in control, it's so good. Um, and you want him to be in control. Mm. Um, because again, when, when you put yourself in that driver's seat, it's only gonna fail. Or it can look like it's not failing. But when you look back, you're like, wow, it could have been so much better mm. if God was in control. And so I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Cool. Same set of questions? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so what have I learned about myself is um, early on, I thought I needed to know theology inside now. Oh, I'm sorry, from marriage. Well, but I'll finish. I'm going to finish. Yeah, that. finish it. Early on in, when I was in ministry, I used to think that I had to know the theology and the doxology and all the other ologies and everything else. And, you know, the word says to go, you therefore make them disciples, not disciples of me. I, all I was, all I'm instructed to do is go tell them about Jesus and, and, and help them become a Christian, a believer of Christ, but also a, a better follower of his his ways i'm not i'm not i don't need to explain the church and, and the canonization of the bible and everything all that so i i used to get really really wrapped up in the the technical data of the bible which we need people like that mm -hmm. but anyways that's not what you ask um what have i learned about myself in marriage is my happiness is not based in Sanders' mood. My fulfillment is not based in her mood. Um, again, coming from an unhealthy environment growing up, in our younger marriage, it was, you know, do you need a drink? Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you, you know, how can I, how can I make you happy? Because if you're happy and, and everything's good, then I know I've done my job. And so that makes me happy. Hmm. And you know, marriage is not called to make you happy. It's called to make you holy. And so we become holy 
through our relationship with each other in a Christian, in a Christ-loving environment. And so what I've learned is that, you know, I don't need to wake up and say, am, am I having a good day or am I having a bad day? What am I, am I, what am I having, Sandra? Tell me, you know, and I may be making too much of it, but that's, you know, my happiness, my, and I know that we don't like to use that word, but my joy is complete in the Lord. My, my happiness depends on my external, um, you know, what's going on in my life. You know, is the job rough, is this, that, and the other. But, but my wholeness, my joy, it has nothing to do with her. And hers has nothing to do with me, right? So I guess what I learned, the short answer might have been to find my wholeness in Christ. And that enables us to have a rich, rich relationship. We have such a good relationship. We, we are truly best friends. And um, so anyways, um, about what have I learned about Sandra in this? Um, I have learned that she is stronger than you may think. Um, emotionally, <laughs> physically, <laughs> um, she's little, but she packs a punch. Um, I think takes, that's Shakespeare. Yeah. Well, he says, uh, though she's little, she's fierce. So it's just a little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a difference, but. Oh, I'm going to put that on a cup. Yeah, she, <laughs> see that too. Um, but yeah, what I've learned about Sandra, she's, I mean, it, it's tough being a military wife. It is tough taking care of a family when you're, when you're other helper, you know, when, when the husband or wife, depending on who's there, leaves for you know, an extended period of time. At one point I was gone for a year. And so it takes a lot to keep that together. She is tough. Um, I mean, there's so much I could go on and on, but um, it just, you know, that, that she, is, she is strong and mighty. She loves Jesus in a way that is incredible. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, she loves Jesus in a way that's incredible, and she does a <laughs> she does a good job of uh, squeezing my leg and kicking me in the shin when 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 I'm about to go off the edge on something. Um, so she's, you know, that the Bible says that you know uh, God made Eve as a helpmate, and there's nothing subordinate about that. It's a role, it's a position, it's not a subordinate, and and there is no way that there's any other helpmate out there for me that could help guide me in the ways that, I mean, I've needed it at times, you know, and what rarely, she's done it a few times, rarely she gets up in my face and tells me the what's what. It's usually <laughs> very gentle, like, you know, hey, how about we try this, you know? I'm like, I don't want to try that. That's ridiculous. You know? Well, I get up on the stool and then I get up. <laughs> You ask her, she forgets that she's under five feet tall. She thinks she's six two like me or six one now. But um And what have you learned about God in yeah in marriage? You know I've learned that God is um amazing in the way he makes his things. You know, God is a creator, he is he is the the forever eternal entrepreneur and so he is constantly creating what i love about in marriage is that 
I may get skewered on this one, but I think it's in Ephesians where it says that the man is to love his wife and the wife is to respect her husband. And what's interesting about that when you dig deeper into it is men aren't uh, naturally inclined to know how to love. We are naturally inclined to know how to respect, meaning, um, you know, two guys will used to, I don't know how it is anymore, but used to, two guys could have a, a great friendship after they had a fight. One of them won. The other one said, hey, you got me. Now let's go play and, and have a good time. It was respect. It set the relationship. But we're not good on love, like how to genuinely take care of things. You know, on a very broad brush. The other side is, is the same for the woman is, is women. They just, I mean, you guys are lovers. You guys just know how to to love on something, to really nurture it, whether it's flowers or people or clothes or whatever it is. God's instruction is counterintuitive to the way he created us. Men are to love and women are to respect. How do we get there? It's only by going through Christ. That's the only way we can get to that other side of, I'm made to understand respect, but you're telling me to love? That means I'm gonna have to go through you to get there. She's called to respect, but she only knows really how to love. She's going to, have to go through Christ to get to, to that. And so what I've learned about God is that he set it up so that we need him. And when, and when, we, when we express that need and we call him into our, um, into our place of existence and our activities and everything else, he comes. You know, there's, there's plenty of references in the Bible that says, I called, you came. I called, he came. I called, he rescued. When we invite him in, you know, the, the full power of who Christ is comes. And so, um, I don't know. I could keep talking about that, but, but you well, know. But I, I love what he said about God being creative because every marriage looks so different. Yes. And, and that's his creativity. The way Todd and I have our marriage is different than the way some of our best friends. It's just different, but it's still good. Mm -hmm. And because God is so creative, he can create that for them. He can create it for us. He's going to create it for you and everybody else, but it's not going to be identical. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we talk about marriage and our story and things like that, we have our story because that's the way God created it. Yeah, mm -hmm. And that's our but, story. And it's, it's our story. It's not the rule book. And you can't duplicate it because God doesn't want you to duplicate it. He still wants you to have um kind of the same baseline but you know and, and the foundation of christ but he doesn't mm -hmm. want it to be identical to anybody else and even if you're not married and you're living in singlehood you can have that creative relationship with the lord that's just yours and it's special mm -hmm. you know and so i love the way god is creative mm -hmm. because yeah. everything is special yeah yeah, I do just want to bring clarity really quick to the role of husbands and wives because Ephesians says, wives submit to your husbands and and men lay down your life as Christ did the church. And it seems as though to have, because there's 7 billion people on the earth, 7 billion expressions of God living on the earth, the, there is no formula to having a healthy marriage, but the way to you're, you're choosing to love one another. I think that 
where you're right, love doesn't really come naturally for anybody who is living by the flesh. You know, it can, it's a choice to, to actively intentionally love anybody um, because it's not a feeling. And if I were to, if I were to love somebody, somebody based on a feeling, well, I would do it whenever I feel like it. And that's not love. That's just a response to how I'm feeling or how you're making me feel or whatever. And I, I think I've, I've heard people say, well, you love pizza and you love your mom. Well, yeah, because pizza tastes good and my mom's great. Mm -hmm. But how do I tell my mom that I love her? Well, I do intentional things. So, um, yeah, I just, I'm, what I'm hearing is that whenever you submit to God, you submit your marriage to God and you let him transform your life and you yield to his principles given in scripture, then you're going in the right direction. Well, and I like what you say that yield to, yield to what he says in scripture is <clears throat> too often, especially younger Mary's probably too often we go to the Bible to support our point of view. And we find where it says what we've already, what, what I already believe we find a verse that, that, that proves that point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I heard it a long time ago. Um, a text out of context is a pretext. So it happens a lot in, in Christian marriages where, you know, well, you know, the Bible says you're to love me. Well, the Bible says you're to respect me. And they go back and forth and they flip verses on each other and everything else. But when you realize that this person is a helpmate, you know, this person is a partner in ministry. This person is, a, a, they are not the enemy. When you can get on the same side of the table with somebody and say, here's the plan. How do we, how do we walk forward? Not across the table and say, this is, this is my conditions. Those are your conditions. I might be able to meet one or two years. You can meet one. But you get on the same side of the table and say, here's, here's what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? Let's get rid of the trash. Let's, let's focus on the two or three things that are important because. Well, know, how do you do that? Yeah. I'll I mean, like, you. yeah, there are people who, and not just in marriage, but this is a great conflict issue in general, but like, how do you work through some of that? Uh, you know, I, I, I'll keep going. I, I'm sure Sandra has some stuff, but I think it's realizing that I'm not the end all be all. I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. And and when you look at the way God designed things, he designed us in the image of him. However, he left a part, you know, Sandra doesn't make me whole, but she makes me better, right? I don't make her whole, but I make her better. She, there's, a, there's a part left, it's not incomplete, but there's a part there for a helpmate to help guide you into a better decision. And I was gonna say, there's a lot of joking about Sandra, you know, keeping me from going off the cliff, you know, saying the wrong thing. Um, but I do the same for her. And, and we, we help each other to, you know, hey, do you need a Snickers bar? You know, do you need to walk around the block? What, what you know, and, and we know each other well enough. You know, Sandra's pointed out the other day that, you know, when, when you've been together long enough, you, you, how did you say it about the size? Most best friends can complete each other's sentences but when you've been married as long as we have, you can complete each other's size. 
like you understand, like, like, you know oh. what the sign means mm-hmm. just without words. It's just funny. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like he can breathe a certain way. I'm like, oh, it's wrong. What, what do you, you know, what do you need? <laughs> um, but I, I would also add that in marriage it's, and of course you love each other and, and, and especially when it's, you know, brand new, you're like just so infatuated and, and all that. But you, when you can get to the point, and, and again, not, not just in marriage, but in any relationship, when you understand that, like I said before, that God is enough and, and it's, you love God more than you love your spouse, that's when the marriage will really start to flourish. Because at that point, you are going to God and asking, what can I do today for my spouse? What can I do today for my children? Because I want to honor you. I in, in turn, it's going to honor my husband. It's going to honor my children. It's going to honor my friends and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. And so not that there's a formula, but I think that might be it is, you know, when you put, and it's so simple, it's like, well, duh, but how do you do that on a daily basis? And of course it's through prayer and, um, and surrender, you know, but I, I love Todd with all my heart. Mm-hmm. He is my best friend but I do love God more. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, we, we have this marriage because it didn't always used to be that way. You know, in the beginning, it's like, well, I, I really love my children more than you because, you know, or I would act like it. Yeah, it was. It was even though I wouldn't say it or I love my job more than you, even though I love you, mm-hmm. but you know, you, you grow into it and you're like, no, actually I love God more than I love you. And because I, could, I love God more and I want to do what he says now, marriage is awesome. Friendships are awesome, you know, and, and of course God is still working through, you know, other relationships, but I really think that's the key is love God first and foremost over everything. And then, and for everybody that's going to look different, you know, hmm just like we talked about and how God's so creative with different marriages. Mm-hmm. It's going to look different on that love relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you're not going to, um, you know, when, when she says love God, you know, that, that means spending time with him daily. It, it you know, it, it's, it really is him being the first conversation of the day. Almost every morning I wake up and say, good morning, God, thanks for waking me up it just opens a conversation. And, um, you know, I just think about if, if, if I were just going to church on Sundays or just, just showing up to be taught somewhere or whatever it is, Sandra and I won't have a good relationship if I only come home on Sundays. If I come home one day a week for an hour, mm-hmm. all I'm gonna get at that Somebody point- Somebody would have some splendid today. Somebody got some splendid. <laughs> At that point, all I'm getting is the, the do's and don'ts. Okay, here, you, you need to fix the gutter. You need to do this. You need to do this. Here's money, pay the bills. Pay, pay the bills, do this, you know. Um, yeah, it's just the checklist. It's just the do's and don'ts. Here's what's gonna keep me here for another week. But if I spend time with her every day, somehow connecting, there obviously people are busy and things happen, but um, a phone call, a text, a note, things like that. If we connect every day, same way with God. It really is that simple. It's grabbing the book, opening the app, saying, Lord, 
I'm here to learn. What do you want to show me? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here to change. How do you want to do that? You know, and really. Or I just want to tell you about this. I want to, oh yeah. I want to share this with you. This is what happened in my life. You know, we all have those friends that um, you really want to talk to every day and you're excited and oh my gosh, they're going to text me and whatever. Um, and you have great relationships with those people. And we all have the other friend where we say that we can just pick up a conversation after three months and it's just like, um, never you, ne- you never left off, but there really is something missing. You know that person and, and you have communication, but it's it's not the best that it could be. Mm-hmm. And, and God wants us every day. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about can we talk about the party? What Can we party? Can talk about the party at the end? Yeah, of course we'll <laughs> talk about the party at the end. <laughs> we will get there. Okay. okay. Um, I want to ask, you know, what, what are you, what would you dream for, for the next, like, what, what's your dream from your marriage for the next decade? I'm gonna let you go first. I was I was wondering if it was time, to, you know, to, to only have one kid living in the house at one time. So uh, grandbabies, <laughs> grandbabies, yeah. Um, we would, as far as we talked, we we would enjoy some traveling together, um, you know, things like that. But we love serving together. It's really our thing. And, you know, a lot of people golf, a lot of people go hunting together, whatever it is that serving, you know, 18 to 28 year olds is our thing. And um, so I think that we will, we will be doing this for a very much, I mean, a very long time. Um, there are some, some dreams that I have of, of ministry developing. Um, but, um, you know, I don't know really want to share those right now, but you know, there, there are some, there's some big, hairy, audacious goals. You know, you ever heard of B-Hog? Mm-hmm. You know, there's some big, hairy, audacious goals that I have as far as dreaming of, of um, you know. Of some stuff that you guys want to do together. Yeah. 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 But as far as our marriage, marriage, I mean, um, shoot, I'd be happy to live out on a hundred acre farm, just her and I, you know. But that's not happening. She, yeah, she's, she's <laughs> got to be within cool. five. Got to be within. I've always said she's got to be within five Can you miles of a Walmart. Home group where they have to drive twenty miles <laughs> on the country road. Yeah, exactly. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, she's got to be within five miles of a Walmart. But um, no, it's just to continue to serve. And what's fun is you you get to a place. I don't know when it happens, but I don't know. We just really enjoy each other. I don't know. Okay. Um, Anything from you? Um, I, I, I definitely think just as a, an output of our marriage, I would hope that people catch on, I guess, like, mm. and they want to, that we're just a good example. You know, like Todd said, we, we, we probably will still be doing, as long as kids are still engaged and everything else. I mean, sometimes 
I look at him like, wow, you were born in 2008. What? what? Yeah, you know, no, and I'm like, using references from oh movies goodness. from, you know, and, and older so than you it, are. It comes to a point where they really don't get us and we don't get them. You know, I'm sure God will, will give us something new. At this point, I really don't know what it is. But, um, but I would hope that in 10 years, we can look back and go, wow, you know, those kids that we had in our ministry were really affected by our marriage. Mm-hmm. But, uh, i tell you one thing that keeps, keeps me driving a little bit in this age group is, um, and this is something I encourage young, young pastors a lot. Um, we, we, we have the opportunity to talk and sit with, or sit and talk with a lot of young pastors and, and believe it or not, you know, working at the church can be difficult. It's not all sit around singing worship songs. Mm-hmm. But the thing that the thing that we remind them of is, is that you're changing legacies. When you when you invest in a life, you're not only changing that person's life, you are mm-hmm. changing the trajectory and the legacy of that person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't think it's selfish. I don't think it is, but I can't wait to meet the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren and the great-great-great-grandchildren of the people that we had a conversation with, that we fed some spaghetti to that, you know, Hmm. you know, that's, that's, that's an exciting thing that keeps me going in it, knowing how our life changed. I I, I became a Christian when I was probably five or six. Um, We didn't really talk too much about that, but I became a Christian very early in life. Um, And and I've found out later in life that through that, um, my dad watched me as a young kid and that led him to um, ask the Lord into his life. And, and, and he accepted the Lord because of me um, as a young kid. And um, so I've always felt like God was very special to me, very personal, very um, nearby. And I just want to kind of keep, you know, keep doing that because I want to. I want to keep opening the opportunity for meet more and more people in heaven. You know, whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. of of the people that that we've impacted. You know, one of the things that I've said before is, if if we walk through the day with paint on our hands, would at the end of the day would more people have have um, paint residue on their face? or on their back from a hug? You know, are you slapping more people with your words or are you hugging more people with your words? And I want to, at the end of the day, have a whole bunch of hug marks on somebody um, because no matter what we imprint on people, we leave our imprint on people. And it, and so- So you want to leave a legacy? I want to leave a legacy, but I also want, you know, I want to change legacies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, yeah. And I just want to put it on record. I am looking forward to grandchildren. Absolutely. Yes. So come on. It's on record. It's on record now. (laughs) (laughs) In case it wasn't on record before. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's get to the party. So the question that I always ask the end. Oh, we're at the end. Okay. I don't know how long we've been talking, but all all I know is that the Christmas light people are gone. We've gotten some phone calls and I feel like we have entered into a new hour. (laughs) Um, but I have so much more written. I know you have a lot written down. I have, there needs to be a part two. I'm kidding. Keep going. Okay. So, um, because the show is called table talk and, you know, I really like to gather people around the table for dinner and breakfast and coffee and games. Um, 
if you could host any kind of dinner party without a budget, where would it be? What would it be like? Who's coming? All of the things. Well, I'm gonna let Todd come to my party, first of all. <laughs> I didn't know that was a question. It would be, well, we would be hosting it. Yes. So this is the way it would be. Okay. But it would probably be, I think it's in the Maldives. I think we talked about this earlier, Uh but it'd be like really beachy. And it'd be one of those places where you have to go on the dock to Mm. get to the little house. You ever seen seen those places? Anybody wants to sponsor us on that? Our anniversary's we, coming up. We would have a super long table. And, and again, because money's an object, they would find a way to put all those little crystally chandeliers above our table. Ooh, yes. <gasps> oh, I can see it now. It would be white linen with the chandelier rhinestones. All, But you know, I have to have a little hint of my cheetah. Yeah. <laughs> so there would be a little bit, not too extravagant, because we still want to be classy. We need some classy bras up here. But a little hint of cheetah, maybe a little napkin or maybe like a little uh, pinstripe or something of that. Okay. But it would it would probably be all the people that, you know, we've had, an, of course, all the people we've had in our life, but, you know, but like all the students, their children, their, their children's children, the whole thing. What's yeah. that song? Cue the blessing. Yeah, cue the blessing. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but yeah, it would, it would just be. What would we eat? Oh, we eat. Oh, we'd have to have smoked something smoked, but Todd wouldn't be smoking it. But it would be like smoked brisket, smoked chicken, smoked smoked ham, smoked sausage, all the smoked foods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we would hire the best of the best to smoke. Well, the second best, that's what keeps whatever. Yeah, that's true. And then a lot of chocolate. We'd have to have chocolate because on that day it wouldn't count. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be good. Nothing keto. Nothing except for the smoked meat. Yeah, but all the sides would not be keto. Yeah, at all, mm-hmm. unless they're coated with cheese. Yeah, no cauliflower is going to be at this. Heck no, <laughs> no cauliflower is invited. No cauliflower is allowed at this party. <laughs> what about you, Daddy? What would your party be like? I guess this is lucky because you guys get two parties. But... We get two parties. Um, I do, do I get to come to your party? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I do like the Maldives. I do like the the, the beachy thing there. Uh, I'm okay with that. Although I also I also would love something like in tall pines, like a you know a California kind of flair or um, yeah, something like that. very woodsy, very like what's that place like the sequoias, mm-hmm. like very big trees mm-hmm. um my party is probably a little bit different let's let's leave it there so in, in that piney wood experience there's there is the long table um and i don't know i'm <laughs> sorry if you're listening but some wouldn't make the cut um <laughs> no i'm just kind of kidding but um but there's a lot of people there and there's a lot of people um that I'm getting too weird. I'm getting, um, it would be, it, it would be, um, I could see it. It's, it's about, 
5.30 in the evening, the sun's kind of set, there's a beautiful sun, sunset, and there are the lights are the, are the string lights that we have out here. What are those kind of twinkle called? Lights. Twinkle lights, okay. Like twinkle lights, you know, kind of spread out uh, atop. Um, the, the table is uh, wood, much like our dining room table, nice wood table. Um, and I, I, you know, I gotta go with the, the brisket too. A good marbled brisket, huh? We're going to the woods. Look, we're gonna tell that story, okay? Why that's you want to keep coming at me? Um, but yeah, it would be lots of people and 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 all woodsy, you know, outdoor. Um, I don't know, I'm not as good at at describing my perfect wedding or uh, party dinner. That's okay. Well, thank you guys for sharing your party and for sharing your wisdom and for, you know, talking about, I know there's a lot to talk about. We can mm -hmm. go on lots of uh, rabbit trails, but thanks for including all of us on those rabbit trails and the pieces of wisdom and the piece of advice. And um, we celebrate 29 years and look forward to 29 more and then some, and it's going to be beautiful. So Anyways, thank you guys. Love you guys. Blessings. Blessings. And many marriages and many legacies to come out of this. Not marriage. many marriages. Just one. Just many years. Just many years and not not your marriages. I'm just saying <laughs> many fruitful marriages okay, to come. Are we still rolling? Is this thing? Yeah. Okay. Cut.